Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to catch up and meet amazing humans. Today, I have the absolute pleasure in welcoming Anjali to this session. Welcome, Anjali. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. And this is a special session because today is the first time we've ever tried to do this, attempting to record 24 episodes of this podcast within 24 hours. And Anjali, you had the pleasure of being the first, and I'm so <laughs> happy to welcome you. Um, yeah. so- Jolly and I have met through uh, social media, through the platform of LinkedIn in particular, and Jolly liked some of the things that I was saying, I guess, and so we connected and, and continued that conversation, and, and I always knew there was an amazing story here, and, and I want Jolly to share that with you, so she will, in her own words and her own ways, um, but welcome and thank you so much for being the first guest on this wonderful day of podcast recordings, and yeah, introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. Um, to be very honest, I didn't know I would be kicking this off, but it's, it's it's such an honor to actually do this and do it with, you know, 23 other people who are just as amazing and spectacular. Um, it's truly an honor and it's such a privilege to be here with you. You're welcome. So if you want to introduce yourself so people know who you are, that'd be yeah. amazing. <laughs> All right. So I always I always flip out when this question comes, but um, I'm usually very confused. I do a couple of things, but um, I'd say I'm here in the capacity of a mental health advocate and a human. I feel, uh, I, I love it because you refer to, um, whenever you're referring to us, you call us amazing humans. And I think um, that is the tag um, I would want to go ahead with. So, um, but otherwise I am a movement practitioner. I'm also a researcher. I've been working in the corporate world, but I devote a good amount of my time to mental health advocacy and awareness. Um, a lot of my research actually takes a slightly different approach to mental health, which is I talk about mental health through the body. So, you know, I'm talking about embodiment. I'm talking about how our relationships with our bodies, um, you know, affect the way we also have relationships with our psyche. Um, all of this started off with, you know, conversations around uh, suicide and self-injury and then has somehow now moved on to a decolonized understanding of healing, where I am a passionate and very passionate advocate of community care, um, along with self-care. And um, yeah, and I continue to, you know, raise awareness, mobilize the community and conduct workshops wherever I get a chance. Amazing. What an introduction. So great sort of insights already into what you do. And, and we can, I can see your passion. I know, I know you're passionate about this subject. So there is a story and, and I want you to share that story if you can, please, which is your journey with mental health, which is the theme for all of these podcasts, which is, is let's get to know you and why you do what you do and, and some of your purpose. And I know, and for anybody listening, I know some of this story is, it might be difficult for people to hear, but this is the reality of talking about our journeys with mental health. So over to you. Tell a story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, um, I think before I go ahead, I do like to give a trigger warning for anybody yeah. who um, would not want to go ahead because there are mentions of suicide and there's also mentions of self-injury. So um, if this is difficult for you, I understand. It's okay. You don't have to go ahead. But if you'd still like to hear it, please um, do continue. Um, I'd say my journey with mental health actually started um, back in my childhood itself, but my journey with mental health awareness started about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, uh, I grew up in a very small town in Uttarakhand, India. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a, it's a state which is, it, it's a Himalayan state. So, you know, we are located in the Himalayan foothills and we are very close to, we share a border with Nepal. So you can imagine, you know, the kind of uh, geography we have, the kind of demography we have which also means that public health systems are negligible um, because you know the terrain is difficult, the large parts of my state are underdeveloped. We don't, we don't not just know about mental health, 
we also actively there, there's a culture of actively stigmatizing it you know um, there's lots of superstitions there's lots of other things which go around so while i do say my relationship mental health started when i was a child because now that i look back at it retrospectively um, there's a lot that i feel you know was anxiety a lot of the things that i did were out of anxiety a lot of the things i did not understand were happening to me were panic attacks but um, my relationship with awareness and uh, what i now call my advocacy work started off after i lost my father to suicide and this was back in february 2015 um now before that i honestly had no articulation of mental health um i did not even know what depression is i had just heard it here and there because i had an english education but i really did not know what it's like to live with it or i did not know what it's like to you know live you lose your parent to it and um I remember uh, I was I was studying back in New Delhi then, and I came back, and um, I honestly, when I came back, I saw my father's and I saw his body, and one of the first things I did was I ran to my mother, uh, because I had always been the eldest child, I had always been the more responsible one. Um, I didn't even, I say in many ways, didn't process my grief, or I didn't even give it enough consideration. My immediate question was, what is my mother going to do? How is my mother doing? and how was my sister doing i had a younger i have a younger sister first i ran to my mother then i ran to my sister and after all of this hullabaloo was over and uh, to be very honest even now um the, the way i remember it you know it's like a freak show to me to be very honest in the sense that it's very hazy it's very surreal and also the fact that you know we were now a household of three women yeah. um so there was a lot of other things also for example um a lot of the things from my mother's drawer you know things that she used to wear like bangles or other things other jewelry was thrown out um along with my father's body so it was thrown out and burned so i feel these ritualistic things also this kind of frenzy that sort of came over everybody yeah. um after the incident is is still very very hazy and all of that took a toll and i remember um that very day i just felt like okay i am doing fine you know i felt very strong as a matter of fact okay later i came to know that this was shock mm. i had gone into shock immediately um because i did not because i immediately jumped to what my responsibilities are going to be and two months down the line i came back to my normal routine i studied i continued my uh, continued my education and everything and i remember um this one day i'm just walking around on the on the in the park and i suddenly start crying and i can't stop i could not stop despite the fact that i really really wanted to i just did not know why i was crying i called my cousin's cousin brother who was very close to me back then and i just said i don't know why i'm crying now within two weeks of this i found myself in bed um having lost 7 kgs by then um i could not move from my bed i could not literally get up you know even to go to the washroom or something my friends my roommates had to help me out and i think it was then i realized i needed help so i first went to a psychologist and this is a counseling psychologist and also because i was just a student and you know i had just lost the only earning member of my family so i went to um, a society and this is a non profit that gives therapy for free so i went to them and seeing the urgency um, they did take me on board otherwise it's a huge waiting um, period as well um i'm i'm very fortunate that i got to you know connect with the therapist there and then and yeah. after post which i also saw psychiatric help so i did you know also get started on medications and everything um and this sort of ensued like a, a very um 
I never like to call it, you know, a linear healing sort of a period, but I think it started a wave of healing okay. where there were also major setbacks, where there were days when I was feeling fine, but then there were also days where I did not want to live. And um, I also tried, um, you know, taking my life a couple of times. Um, I started finding, um, because a lot of, when you lose somebody to suicide, guilt is a huge, huge part of it. There's guilt, there's regret. Um, I used to wake up with nightmares. Um, I used to have flashbacks. I used to imagine, you know, scenarios where we could have saved him or we could have, you know, or maybe what if he was found earlier or what if he was, you know, um, given the right kind of help. What if? So there are so many what ifs um, in such a situation and I continue to obsess over them. So, but eventually, you know, with this struggle and with finding the right kind of help, the right kind of support, the right kind of people, um, I also started getting into raising awareness because I realized I've lost my father to this silence. Mm. And it's a very careful silence, you know, it's not, um, it's not a silence where people don't know what's happening. People don't want to know what's happening because the engagement with emotions is erratic, right? In emotions are not reasonable. Um, you don't, you cannot understand emotions per se, you cannot keep them in boxes. So it disturbs us, you know, just like chaos does, just like, yeah. just like uncertainty would. So we don't engage with it. But I decided no more of it. You know, people actually die. Um, people actually die because of mental health conditions. And why aren't many more of us talking about it? Why aren't all of us talking about it? And especially I feel when it comes to something like self-injury or even issues, you know, something like schizophrenia, I won't club them in a box together. But then these are, you know, the more grayer areas of mental health conditions. Sure. And I think there is a lot of times that's also, you know, this person is just trying to seek attention or you would easily refer to somebody as a psycho. I feel this, <clears throat> this terminology does so much harm. Yeah. And I think it is there in my own healing and that also that's also when i started engaging with movement um engaging with and because like i said i grew up in a smaller town so i honestly did not have the articulation so i used the internet to find as much as possible um i used um uh, you know internet facebook social media to get in touch with people okay. and it eventually did work out i mean i'm still healing i am there are bad days i lost someone i loved very recently so i'm still grieving about it yeah. but I feel the good part about doing the self-work with therapy, the good part about um, knowing, having the awareness of mental health is that you know what's going on. So I know the stages of grieving. I also know it's okay to feel so bad on certain days and it's not the end of the world. And I think that can be a huge, huge relief. Wow, what, a, what an incredible way to start this event. And your story is just so powerful. And you know, you've touched on so many points that bring to life this reality globally you know and some of those things that I wanted us to make sure we covered in this conversation of course are you know around the cultural challenges and you've expressed those quite clearly around where you grew up and the environment you were in and the the stigma that was attached to you know to, to mental mm. mental health issues and challenges and suicide in particular and and thank you for sharing you know your 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 real honest experience of of what happened and and that thing about shock was quite interesting to hear around you know you were just getting into motion of everything i need to do to to move on mm -hmm. without ever really stopping and addressing those challenges so it's it's an incredible story anjali and and, and you and your family moved away right you moved into the city yeah. is that right yeah. um 
and and how was that did you find that was more socially acceptable or there was some mm. more acceptance in there how was that for you yeah um so yes my my family did move um we uh, my family initially because i was studying in new delhi so i had to spend a lot of my time there getting my right, college yeah. degree um, which also meant that my mother and my sister, and now by now we also had a dog, Bobo, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were alone in the house. We did have relatives, you know, going in and again, in and out. But um, overall, they were lonely in so many ways. So um, I remember um, right after I lost my father, um, there were also people who came to our house. And I'm, I'm now I'm talking about mental health, not just, you know, as an individual condition, yep. but also with, um, you know, you know, social understanding of um, gender, um, class and privileges and identities, race for that matter. And I do remember, I imagine you know, somebody's grieving the loss of a husband and uh, some of my relatives come in and they just go like, what's the point of your life now? And they meant it and they, and they genuinely meant it. They just did not understand what my mother's life should be or would be or could be <laughs> without my father. You know, they yeah. just said that you should also die now. And this, they made this suggestion in all earnesty. Um, post, uh, I mean, post which, you know, I also feel there was also this narrative that started. And, and this happens when you're not aware, you know, and this, this happens when you don't know what the mental health condition is. So it becomes gossip, you know, because I feel um, suicide or even murders or death for that matter. These are very uncomfortable things. We don't discuss them because they're uncomfortable you know they they give us the heebie-jeebies just to put it <laughs> in very crude yeah. terms yeah. um yeah <laughs> so uh, people don't engage with them what happens then is that you end up sensationalizing them um it becomes a news piece you know so people start also crafting stories so the, the story in my case was that uh, in my mother's case was that you know my mother was somehow responsible for it all and that all of had a part in it Whereas the truth was that we were people who struggled most, not just when after my father died, but also when he was alive, you know, because you, one can imagine not us not having the tools, the understanding of mental health, or, you know, how to even get help for that matter, and living with a father who's also living with that condition. So it's not like I had a very lovable relationship with my father. I had a very difficult relationship with him. My father also used to consume alcohol very regularly. Um, he was very verbally, very, very abusive. There were a couple of times and he also, you know, was physically abusive here and there. And, but there are these things are, you know, somewhat socially acceptable. I still don't know why. So, um, and he was, you know, more or less absent um, from our lives as well. So we also, we, we, there became a dynamic where we did not in- in each other's lives so now just to see that you know this and then making peace with his death you know which happened in such a difficult manner and then having everybody around you um either you know stopping you or yelling at you on the street so my family was unofficially boycotted from the entire society because one we were just three women and um, two because my father you know had died of suicide um and three because you know we we aren't my, my family as a whole i'm the most talkative one in my family everybody else is really quiet and really shy so we also get misunderstood a lot um and what ended up happening was my mother was scared of stepping out of the house my mother was scared to just go out and get groceries as a result both my sister and my mother also lost weight they they, I mean, they could, I could visibly see that they're losing weight, you know, you could see dark circles under their eyes. And I think it was, it was about one and a half to two years of this. And then one day 
uh, my mother just decided that we are just getting out of here. We had no plan. We just wanted to get to a different city. So we came to um, a different city, which is called Haldwani. And that is like the center. It's like the, the urban center of this area. We moved here, found ourselves and entered accommodation. And in the meantime, you know, planned to sell the house. And even as we were selling the house, it was it, it got really difficult because um, again, you know, because the association of suicide with the house, even yeah. though the incident did not happen within the house itself, you know, doing that and then selling the house, finding a buyer, getting paperwork done, coming here, making and coming here and building a house and purchasing land and to actually sit in the house that we all constructed and started, you know, from scratch, yeah. I feel is a huge blessing. And I'm, I'm glad we just moved to this house in November. Okay. But, um, so, I mean, one can imagine that in the last six years and on this 11th of February, we'll complete six years to not only lose your home, I lost the place I grew up in. My sister lost the school, you know, she was studying in. My mother lost her friends. We lost, we lost our community. We also lost mountains because this place doesn't have as many mountains. I, I loved the place I grew up in. Sure. There's a lot we, you know, sort of lost in the process. And I feel a lot of that came because of the stigma. And a lot of that could have been much better if only there were people who stood with us, you know, at the time when we needed them. So I feel stigma does so much damage. So I think yeah. the, more than the death itself, the loss itself, uh, stigma just takes it out of you. Yeah, and, and, and the, you know, the challenges, the release for the individual that's gone versus the pain that it leaves and the suffering and the, the you know, all the aftermath of, of a suicide, of course, and it is very difficult. And yeah, you know, I can only imagine where you you know, what your family's been through and, and sense of empathy and, and compassion towards your thoughts of, you know, where you are. But what you've done is you've moved on forwards and you've got things going on now. And I really want to just sort of spend a few minutes talking about your work and what your, you know, what your passion is now, which is really around these subjects to help people. And I love that. So please tell us a little bit about what you're doing and your plans and your direction for the future as well. Okay. Um, uh, okay, I do a lot of things, yep. but please don't get confused. Um, that's also because I, as a person, I'm, I'm a very action-oriented person. I just like to do things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so enough. yeah, at this point, um, one, I mean, apart from mental health advocacy and research, um, I'm also applying for PhDs. So uh, I'm halfway through it. And just as soon as the admissions process resume, I'm hoping to, um, you know, uh, just start the PhD within uh, by the end of this year and then hoping to get a doctorate within the next five years. And um, I talk a lot about this because my work, my PhD work, I, I've always been very adamant on the fact that I know that I'm a part of academia, but mm -hmm. I have been very clear on the fact that I am the only person on my academic peers and the only people who understand my work, my work has failed. I need to make my work as grounded as possible and I need to make it as translatable as possible because I don't want to uh, get lost in a world where I'm only having a discussion in a classroom and not actually get some grassroots work out of it. Mm. So, and because of that, I've switched to, um, you know, medical and social anthropology. And over there I do, um, over there, my research is focused on understanding public health systems 
and the indigenous health systems within um, the Kumau region, the part where I am. And especially, um, you know, in relation with women healers, because um, I do come from a family of um, healers, you know, people who my great grandmother used to heal ailments of the gut. Uh, my grandmother also did something similar. So, so there's like a, there's like a storytelling and narrative and knowledge that is passed down orally. And uh, so I want to bring all of these together and find a nexus where you know the health system can be improved, not by imposing a public health system, but by actually um, also giving the right kind of stage to the local, the local community to make decisions for themselves. So that is the overall idea. Um, apart from that, I also have uh, I have a tiny business of my own. Um, I do I do work with um, organic skincare products. And um, you know, some I'm, I'll be launching a line of teas very, very soon. So, and, and these are recipes which have been you know, handed down. So you cannot find them anywhere else. Um, I want to use this stuff I grow in my own garden or get suppliers who are farmers in villages. So make sure that everything that's coming out is not only of good quality, mm. but also affordable. So, um, um, so one is that, the other is also, oh, I'm, I'm into a lot of things. I'm- Why not? <laughs> I also write very actively. I have been writing uh, uh, anti-racist articles for quite a while. Yep. So I make sure that um, whatever I feel and I also pin it down and I get it out. So I've also been doing that work. Um, I also handle a couple of projects for a company I work with. So I'm building a wellness platform for them that will bring um, healthcare to smaller towns. Mm. Um, so, and otherwise I, I'm a movement practitioner. I do like to, uh, you know, engage in as much activism as possible. Um, you know, with regards to women's rights, I've done campaign-based work, which is mostly legal work, but now I want to switch to more grassroots and community-based work. Within the next five years, and I have this exact scenario in mind, I'm not really sure if it's going to play out that way because life is unpredictable, but I do want to have a tiny place of myself on the mountain somewhere here. Um, and I want to have, uh, you know, I want to have a, perhaps like a homestay or a guest house sort of a thing, but also hold um, immersive art experiences, uh, make sure you know that generate employment for the local communities. Our state is full of what is known as ghost villages over here. Mm -hmm. People migrate and they leave villages. They leave their property there. They leave huge grounds over there. Just there's no healthcare. There's no employment opportunities. Overall, life is very bleak. Um, in very simple terms, and my PhD, my business, um, all of my other work, activism, will lead to this one thing which is bringing color back. And that's what I call it. Love I it. want to bring color back to these villages, yeah. um, to the lives of these communities. I want to have, you know, see them smiling. I want to make sure, not smiling just in the sense, you know, I say smile and they smile, but also have the reason to smile. You know, they have enough financial independence mm. and that they have healthcare and that they have community. People are singing together, dancing together. So eventually in the next five, 10 years, that's where I want to be at with all of the stuff that I'm doing currently. So I feel like it's leading up to one goal, even though it feels very, very different. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm just fascinated by your story. <laughs> I'm, lo I'm loving hearing your ambitions and your thoughts and and that um, that place on the side of a mountain sounds idyllic to to us, you know, as well. And and I'm sure anybody listening is going to feel very similar about yeah. those thoughts. But but what I love really in all of this is is you know the the challenges, the diversity, the ch the, the issues, the, the stigma, and everything else is still there. 
but you've come through and you're doing positive things with it. And I, you know, I, I just embrace all of those thoughts and say, look, we can all do more, can't we? We can all really make a difference by just focusing and channeling our, our positive or our energy towards, you know, reaching out and putting, giving back colour. And I love that thought of, you know, bringing colour to these people's lives where it's hard and it is difficult for lots of people. And, and we have it all over the world with that situation right now, of course. And, and I think that's just amazing. We are at the end of this session. This is flying oh, past. These quick. are going to go. I know. <laughs> I've, I've, I've absolutely enjoyed everything. I'm going to give you the floor for the last piece. Of course, from my side, I just want to say a huge thank you. You, you are just an amazing human being, and you have such a wonderful story, which is real, it's true, it's genuine, it's authentic, and it's something that we all should think about being able to tell others. And I just think that's such a wonderful thing. So, anything you want to share, or any little pearls of wisdom that you might want to <laughs> want to impart on the listeners of this um i usually refrain from advice yeah. but i think if there is one thing that i have to say which is um please make people uncomfortable i feel in the sense that i strongly encourage crying in the workplace uh, <laughs> i strongly <laughs> encourage uh, I, I also encourage being angry you know and actually learning to be okay with these difficult emotions yeah. you know not just all happy happy all the time so I feel that for all of us, and it's not just my prerogative or your for that matter, matter, but anybody who's listening to this, anybody, and even for that matter, for somebody who thinks they're doing completely fine, it's not their duty to do anything about mental health. Please, please talk about it. Yeah. Please offer support. Please, you know, do your research. Research awareness can make a huge difference. I, I thought I would never have to deal with mental health until it you know, until this situation, until the lack of awareness stigma took someone from my family and that we have had to deal with so much trauma. We have, we have had to deal with collective trauma and then heal from it. But it can all be prevented. It can all be made better just if we have a conversation about it or just, just by us showing our emotions. I think one of the best things we can do is just be ourselves, be open to unlearning, be open to understanding. We will also make mistakes. All of us come from some form of privilege or the other. It's important to acknowledge it. It's yeah. important to also understand that the other person may not have the same kind and we need to remain compassionate. And I feel like open to unlearning anytime that it needs us to be. Brilliant. What words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true. Everything you've said is just so, so true. We need to talk. We do need to talk about mental health. That's what this is all about as well. We're trying to break down the stigma and the barriers by having these conversations openly and just, you know, having a, uh, the opportunity to tell our stories. And Jali, thank you so much for participating in this. For anybody that is listening, if you have struggled with any of the content of this, please know there are always people available. Um, I know that we'll have an international audience listening to this, so I can say Samaritans for the UK, which is 116123, but you'd have to look locally for your services. But there is always somebody to talk to and to turn to. Always know that's, that's there, because lots of people struggle thinking they're just alone with their thoughts and their feelings and they're the only ones that are struggling. You're not, there are lots of people out there that you can talk to, please do. Um, so Jolly, thank you. That's episode one of this Podathon. My complete. pleasure. Um, amazing stuff, Lovely. thank you so much. And I will thank catch up on our, in your progress as well. I look forward to seeing the picture of the place <laughs> yeah. on the mountain. I <laughs> okay, thank you're you most welcome to join us. <laughs> I'd love to, brilliant stuff, thank you. <laughs>